all you fellow Lassoholics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. I am Jeremy Geckner, um, and we are continuing our rewatch of season one here. We are going into episode four. But before we do, here with me as always, my intrepid co-host on Peanut Butter and Biscuits, Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, man? Not much. How are you, sir? I'm doing good because I just watched me some Ted Lasso. <laughs> I say, uh, behind the podcast, you just said that you are a little tired, so I'm going to pump, 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 pump you up. That's right, man. I need to uh, join the Ted Lasso Fight Club uh, if we're going to be talking about No Fight uh, Club. No Fight Club. No Fight Club. Um, but yeah, we are going to be uh, breaking down episode four here for the children. And uh, yeah, I'm going to raise my energy level because it is, Craig, as we all know, for the children. Uh, but a lot of crazy stuff that happens I didn't in this say- Anything about your energy level? I just said you oh, said you were tired. That's oh, all. I'm just go. making sure go. that uh, that I wake you up a little bit. That's all. That's that's fair. That's fair. I appreciate it. You got me right here, man. You're like uh, you're like a, a newly understood Roy Kent Jamie Tart combo here. Uh, that's what you're getting. Um, so, but before we get into it, of course, we have a little housekeeping. Craig, take it away. We are going to be participating in LassoCon this year, so that is going to come up this weekend. So if you're listening to this on Friday on the day of release, first of all, thank you. Bless yes, you yes. for subscribing Bless you to uh, Peanut Butter and Biscuits. But uh, you can still sign up for LassoCon. This is a free event, so go and uh, check out LassoCon on Twitter, and you can see the link there. Free event. We are going to be participating on Sunday, December 5th. Uh, we actually go at 1230 Pacific time, which is 230 for us here in the central time zone. <laughs> and I believe it's 830 for you Brits. All you Brits so, over uh, there. check out LassoCon. And uh, we're, I think it's going to be a really fun weekend. You know, they have a couple of different guests. I believe one of the guests is the makeup artist of the show. They also have one of the Emmy winning writers of the show as well. So it'll be really fun. And it goes all weekend, December 4th and 5th. It is free. Go check out LassoCon on Twitter for more information. So definitely go and check that out. We are going to be presenting our top five Tedisms, by the yeah. way. That's what we're going to do. Uh, I also have a couple of other pieces of housekeeping. The first, of course, we love it when you leave a review for us. And I believe we've had a couple since we last spoke. And uh, one of them just says that we match the show. Oh, hell and, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he said, I really appreciate that they focus on the topics and don't do the how are you, how is your life. I'm very sorry that I mentioned that Jeremy was tired. <laughs> I was say we just did that today. <laughs> uh, they say we keep it at a reasonable length. We certainly try to. That try is to, what we yeah. try to do in life. Um, so thank you so much for leaving that. I believe that that was uh, Lil Lynn Ken uh, who left that. So thank you. Nice. And then they also said this one from April just says they are into it. Oh. They love the show, and so do I. So it works. It's like joining a book club for TV. Look Ooh. at that. That's like a, a subtext or like a subtitle for the show. A book club a for book your ears. A book club for TV, here. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we are so excited. Thank you so much for those of you that uh, have written in to us. And then I have one final piece of housekeeping to get through, and that is our man, John Garcia. John oh, yeah. Garcia, he, uh, he did his Inktober on Twitter. You should go and check out his Twitter handle. If you go to the PBB FRN 
Twitter handle, you will then see some of the retweets I've done of John Garcia's work. He actually gave us a print of all these different characters that he did. I have it actually in my office because I stole it from Jeremy. Yeah. And uh, he also, <laughs> though, provided even a piece of artwork for Jeremy to have too. And we're just so fortunate to have listeners like John that step up and put their art into the world and then give us some of that. So I will tell you, uh, coming up on the show, John has uh, been hired to do some work for us. Yeah. So we are going to be having a refresh of our logo and a couple of other things, courtesy of John Garcia. Find him on Twitter. I believe he will still do this through his website. Uh, but if you want yourself lassoized for Christmas, holy moly, this guy is worth where it, you people. go to. So it is uh, check it. us out again on Twitter, PBBFRN, and you will see our retweets of John's great work. That's all I got for you today, Jeremy, except we now get to talk about a wonderful gala yes. that I know we all wish we would have attended. Yeah, just to just to get our first glimpse of Coach Beard dancing here. Um, but we'll get there, folks, because that's near the end of the episode. But uh, so episode four of season one here for the children. Um, so we're getting uh, right off the bat here. We're coming in at halftime of a match that, that Richmond's had. I don't know if we've ever had this, but things are not going well still for the Richmond uh, Greyhounds here. They're down 2-0 at halftime time um and Roy Kent is just out of it like he just he is so upset that the team is not playing well and we get this truly brutal exchange between Jamie and Sam where Sam is so earnestly apologizing for missing a pass and asking Jamie for for uh or Jamie offers advice of course meanly and I I was struck by just how cruel this like line of of dialogue here is from Jamie talking about getting in a time machine and stopping his mom from like screwing his dad um, I mean, it, it's just absolutely terrible. But this, of course, sets Roy off finally. And we get the big theme of the episode, which is going to be, can Roy and Jamie find some common ground and coexist? Because Ted correctly uh, surmises that that's the key to getting this team together. So um, lots of stuff happening in this scene. Uh, they break up the fight a couple of times between these two. Um, I just love how uh, Brett and Phil are playing off each other in this scene. It's really great. Craig, what are your thoughts on this opening scene here? Well, just real quickly, I want to shout out to Heeb for his reactions to Jamie being so cruel, Ugh. unnecessarily cruel. Ugh. You have this earnestness of Sam looking and being like, yes, I, I would love advice. Please, yeah. please give me advice, Jamie Tart. And then, of course, the advice is bunk. This uh, plays really well in season two in our episode three, where Jamie's trying to return to the team. And it's Sam, who is generally our open and earnest character who's saying, I don't know that I want him back. Right. And is this a mistake? And it's because of moments like this here in episode four of season one. So you start to build this arc of like the Jamie Tart that used to be that now we know has been uh, reformed to some extent in season two. But yeah, I love also the fighting between Roy and Jamie here. This is a classic old school versus new school. Mm. You get a lot of interactions during the gala as well because Ted rightly sits them together. I know we will get there, <laughs> but I did enjoy and laugh again at that fight where they break it up and then Roy says something to the effect of uh, just say one more call thing. Me, call me one. old one more time. Call me yeah. old one more time. And then, you know, like Jamie <laughs> lets it slide for a second and then he goes for it. Uh -huh. And then we get the last fight and of course we go right into our opening credits. It's just a perfect way to film the scene and they still have a half of football to go out there and play, yeah. which of course we learn later 
does not go well yeah, for them either. Not, not so, hard to not hard to surmise that. Um, but I do love like the very first time that they kind of they lock horns almost like a bull, right? Like they like join their heads together and they're like pushing on each other. It's like very animalistic there. I remember that. But also you're right, call out Jason's uh look back to Jamie. <laughs> like over there, he's just like, call me old one more time, and like uh Jamie looks over at Ted and he just gives him like this, mm-mm, don't do it. <laughs> and just can't help himself and stuff. But uh, the big thing about this episode after the credits, we are planning our For the Children Gala. This is something that Rebecca uh, used to do with Rupert every single year uh, to um, benefit disadvantaged children in uh, England. And it's very interesting seeing Rebecca kind of in her planning element here. Like, you know, she's doing the seating charts and everything um, and trying to figure out how she's going to do this event um, with the shadow of her divorce from Rupert over her. But at the same time on the field, Ted and, and Nate and Beard are trying to figure out how to get uh, Jamie and Roy to get back together here because now the team has sort of split into these two camps, one revolving around Jamie and one revolving around um, uh, Roy. So what I do love about this though is we also get this great more interactions with nate here where we learn that he played anita in a west side story at an all boys school i say we got to pause this and we got to talk west side story and actually yeah. you have to pardon so everyone that really enjoys that we don't go outside the show to talk about things very quickly and very briefly i did want to put jeremy on the spot because we lost a giant last yeah. week in steven sondheim and here we are getting a west side story reference right it's serendipity that jeremy i get to turn the mic over to you for mm. a moment just to talk about life and legacy of the man, the legend, Stephen Sondheim, and how he had an impact on you. Because I'll tell you, the two of us are musical theater geeks. I am very, J Jeremy knows this. <laughs> I am on record as Stephen Sondheim, not my bag. I do fully recognize the amount of amazing work that he put out into the world and the artists that he propped up as well but jeremy you have some really special connections to steven sondheim not the <laughs> least of which is the fact that you met your wife in a performance of into the woods so i'm going right. to give you the microphone and again we're going to uh, let you say your piece about mr sondheim here for just a moment yeah i'll i'll i'll, I'll be a little brief but like yeah, Stephen Sondheim, I studied him in college because I studied music composition, and uh, he's always been, he was always my my god of music. Um, just the way that he wrote was unlike anything I've ever seen, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Um, I guess Lynn Miranda comes the closest with the intricacies of his lyrics, but Sondheim was just on another plane, and uh, West Side Story, of course, you're right, was his first musical. He wrote lyrics for that, um, which is kind How of is insane. that your first? I know, right? <laughs> right. He wrote the lyrics for that, and... Um, you know, I, I, I saw an interview with Rita Moreno today, too, about the new movie coming out that she's in. And she said that Stephen was so worried about getting the Puerto Rican like point of view right that he traveled to Puerto Rico twice uh, to meet with Puerto Ricans at their university just to make sure what he was writing wasn't offensive or something. So th that's the level of care he had. But, yeah, I met my wife doing Into the Woods. There's two children uh, that exist in this world because of Stephen Sondheim's music. And uh, the very first show I did here in Springfield was Company, another Sondheim show. That's what brought me here to. To, to even meet my wife so um 
just a giant we'll never ever see his like again and um uh, trust me if you want the great example of his work he wrote two books uh, a couple of years ago uh, finishing the hat and look i made a hat um which are of course lyrics from sunday in the park with george i would say his best piece and uh they're all of his lyrics combined and collected into one two companion books and him just commenting on how he wrote these lyrics and it's amazing so go and pick those up and uh we're gonna miss you steve uh that day, sucked. <laughs> that day sucked. Yeah, I, I know that you that was a rough uh, bit of news for you, even though he was 91 and lived obviously a very full life. But again, uh, my apologies to the listeners for taking <laughs> us down a road. But what I love about Ted Lasso is that it has these connection points to these other bits of either pop culture or social relevance that we then get to talk about. And it just seemed like serendipity that uh, West Side Story gets referenced. Not only is it coming out in theaters very shortly, the new version directed by Steven Spielberg, but also the fact that Steven Sondheim had just recently passed. And Tick, Tick, Boom is on Netflix, yes. which of course, Steven Sondheim plays a very uh, big role in the yes. motivation of Jonathan Larson to uh, become prominent and, and be able to write Rent. I mean, it's just incredible. So there's, Here, there's I'll, a I'll, Steven I'll, Sondheim renaissance going yeah, on right I'll, now. I'll connect it back in. One of Steven Sondheim's greatest joys in life was being a mentor to young composers Aha, like Ted and Beard and Nate have to be mentors to these young players here like Jamie Tarr. So uh, <laughs> that's that's about as stretchy as I can get, guys. Um, but Craig, what do you think of this um, with Rebecca planning the dinner and everything um, all the way up through like kind of everybody getting ready? And, you know, we see like, you know, Rebecca worried about what dress she's going to wear and how she's going to be perceived by the press. And uh, even Jamie not wanting to wear like a regular suit and just wearing the jacket <laughs> over his bare chest. Like, what do you think of this entire kind of setup of getting us into this dinner? I love it uh, to see the different personalities start to mold together. Rebecca is someone I think that if you, when she first met Ted, there's no way that she picks up that one dress, looks at it. Ted says, you would look great in that, or you should wear that. And then she actually go through and wear it. Yep. So I love that uh, that's called back later that she's wearing the dress that Ted had commented on, even though she was a little unsure of it herself. We're starting to see the vulnerability yeah. of Rebecca Welton yeah. as a character. We're starting, we've now established her as this boss ass bitch, right? <laughs> and we're going to get that continuously, but you also get this vulnerable side that comes along with her as well. Uh, also, so I'm using that term only because of Ted Lasso. I should say that uh, in my personal life, I never use those words, uh, particularly that last B word. I can't stand it in my personal life uh, talking about women. But Rebecca calls herself that, so that's why I'm mentioning that. Um, also, I love that we get the suit callback here, and this is uh, where Ted is going to go and buy that suit for Nate and how uh, appreciative Nate is at the mm. initial purchase of that suit. What I also thought was interesting, something that I didn't connect the dots until this viewing is that Keeley is the first person to comment on the suit yeah. when uh, they arrive at the gala. And who is it that talks about, Hey, is that the suit that Ted bought you in the funeral in season two? It's Keeley. So these writers, huh, they, they can write. It. Right? Keep it in there. That, that is MCU level continuity keeping here. Um, and I'll tell you this much. I, I also really appreciated because, again, as we've talked about, we're really looking for these Nate Ted interactions in this season one rewatch because of obviously the uh, results of what happened in season two with Nate's character. And I absolutely love when Ted's walking down the street with him because he cakes, you know, the or like he softens the blow of telling him that the suit isn't there by doing that little anecdote is just like, you know, do you? 
like the the kind of friend that'll tell you when you've got stuff in your teeth and you know nate's very like oh yes i love that he's like look that suit's terrible man like that suit is so bad and I, i you're right though like it is amazing to see Nate's confidence is still very much tied to how other people are viewing him right now. Specifically, you can really start to see it molding from what Ted keeps doing to him. And the fact that Ted, you know, is is taking him as his quote unquote date to this, uh, you know, uh, dinner, something that Nate would never get invited to in the past. And again, even when Rebecca knows who it is, is told who he's taking from the window when he gets to the dinner, she still says nice to meet you to Nate. So she's still not even there with him. But like it, it is like it is. It's interesting to me to see that like that honesty that Ted feels like he can already have with Nate is really great. I know that's a little bit of Ted's you know standard operating procedure, but it also is just really good to be like right off the bat after a few weeks he feels like he can be completely honest with Nate and that it's appropriate. And that's a hard thing to get to with new friendships. And this is why it's kind of hard to buy the season two finale uh, mention of Nate and how Ted abandoned him because we see this relationship form so much. And yes, there are a lot of things that happen between here and uh, there then and now. Um, But still like I, I, it is hard to buy that uh, still. And we'll see where that goes in season three. One thing I also wanted to mention that I think is important is we finally do see Rebecca actually admit to someone her vulnerability mm. and that's to Keely when they're on the red carpet. Yeah. So Rebecca says something effective. I hate this part. Yeah. And Keely knows exactly what to do to cheer her up, to make her look great and to give her advice moving forward. And this is really like, you've gotten some scenes where Keely and Rebecca, especially in the last episode where they're talking about the yacht and all that in Rebecca's office. Mm -hmm. But this is truly Rebecca being able to be vulnerable to someone else on this show. And I absolutely love this friendship and this relationship that we're going to get out of Juno Temple and Hannah Waddingham uh, moving forward there. It's been commented on by many a woman, uh, especially Courtney Enlow, who we had in our season two finale that this kind of friendship is not often portrayed on screen without some cattiness or some fighting that goes along with it. And here we are starting to see that right now. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I wrote down like that interaction is just really, really heartwarming um, because, you know, Keely makes mention in the last episode of like, you know, like I've decided I'm not going to be afraid of you anymore. And she isn't like she, she now feels like she can be that sage person to Rebecca when she needs to, even though it doesn't happen very often. Um, And you're right. Like, when she the way that she says it to her is just like here's what you do don't worry you'll be fine but then when she does go into the pool of reporters and just shouts out like how good she looks in like that low man voice I love it because we're seeing now that Keely is the one who can kind of break Rebecca's walls even when she is in public and in front of cameras and around people because the second Keely shouts that at her she just gets that luminous Hannah Waddingham smile and she's just immediately having a good time and again like we don't really see that happen again until make Rebecca great again (laughs) and I think episode seven Um, and so this is really a a great example of you're right like how that friendship is naturally evolving especially with what else they say Um, also didn't want to lose the line that um, Higgins is of course having to find a new musical guest for this benefit because Robbie Williams has uh, canceled and I do I don't think it'll be a Tedism because uh, but I just love that like when he comes into the office and says that Ted immediately goes like oh no and then whispers who is that and I just again kind of like that uh, British-American divide there. But we get a lot of uh, 
a lot of really cool beats here. Um, as the gala is kind of opening up, we get to meet Jane for the first time as Beard is bringing Jane as his date and they're playing their virtual chess game uh, in their head, which is just all kinds of strange. But then again, now that what we know of Beard, it's kind of par for the course. Um, you know, we got the red carpet, of course, everybody getting up there. And then, of course, we get Ted's genius plan here of putting Roy and Jamie at the same table and trying to hash it out. Um, and I do love like kind of just the way that he keeps um, chipping away a little bit at both of them um, to try and get this uh, going there. So, uh, Craig, what did you think of like this setup with Ted and them at the table and pretty much anything else at the party that we're, that we're going to be talking about here? Well, I, I love that he has made it to where they're going to sit at the same table, which is interesting because uh, it seems like Rebecca is spending so much time worried about the table placements uh, and having, you know, you and I have both been through weddings. Yep. We, uh, <laughs> it, at the least part, we've observed this happening, right? Yes. This whole placement of where people are going to be sitting and, and how you have to manage the different personalities. But it's great to see them being sat together and uh, to see those interactions start to build because they do try to play nice. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, and especially even Jamie with his just his just suit jacket on um, <laughs> and Roy just thinking, oh, my gosh, who what is this? What guy? is this? Who dude? is yeah. this? Uh, but Roy's trying a little bit. Uh, I also love the the call from Ted about the alcohol. And I don't yeah. know if you're going to use that later. But, I mean, it um, should be a Ted either way. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line uh, about the alcohol come in and ordering some drinks. But yeah, yeah it, again, it's just a matter of being able to see these two in such a different position than we have them now in the end of season two and i think that's why going back to that hug during man city that's why that hug works as well as it does because this establishes that scene and that um that divide that they have in season one moving forward to season two yeah and you know you you already mentioned the dress and how i love that you're right we have that line where ted just tells her you know like i had a feeling you were going to choose that and you look amazing and, and everything um but that is very much punctuated like rebecca now kind of trusting ted a little bit and at least listening to him by the first appearance of mr rupert Mannion. Uh, the uh, oh man this this guy <laughs> so played by the incredible legendary anthony head um if you don't Yay. know his career um he is amazing he is a fantastic actor so many things that he's done um but man what an entrance for a character in this show because hannah's up there or Rebecca, rebecca's up there giving her speech and everything trying to not you know trying to not be nervous and everything taking ted's advice and being self-deprecating a little bit um and then rupert just steals the show and i was just struck like knowing what i know of rupert now like he has not changed at all um, at the end of season two but like I remember when I saw this for the first time, Craig, and I was just like, God, what a manipulative asshole this guy is because he is constantly manipulating everyone from his very entrance here. He's trying to do this. Um, what did you think of his first entrance here and just the way he wades oh, through man, this party? Because it's it. incredible. Uh, talk about talk about a guy that has no growth from season one to season two. I mean, he is just we are never seeing twirling. We are going. never going to see Rupert's face as the first face of a season. <laughs> It's just beautiful, like how maniacal he is and manipulating her on so many several levels yeah. and, and gaslighting her throughout this entire uh, movie or this entire episode. I, I went to movie because I was thinking about the movie Gaslight yeah. and uh, checking <laughs> that out because that's a movie I saw uh, recently. And it's just like you you see these mind games that he's playing with her, even when Ted is trying to boost her up. And actually I wanted to mention one thing. So Ted says, you just got to start by making fun of yourself. What is your go-to 
uh, you're hosting a party, you're, you got to give a speech. What's your go-to making fun of yourself, Jeremy? <laughs> making fun of myself? Uh, probably about my geekiness. <laughs> Just how much. All right, like, geekiness is yeah. good. I always go with the physical things. Like I, I, you know, I starting to look like Charlie Brown on top of my head right now because I, I only have, you know, a few hairs left. And so generally I go to the bald thing. Sometimes I go to the short thing. I used to go to the fat thing. That's a little well, difficult. You can't now. do that now, um, man. But, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, usually it's physical uh, comedy for sure. But hugs, hugs is a good one. That's that really funny one. because yeah. uh, it attaches to Rebecca Welton being a uh, bit cold, right? With people. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, uh, Rupert, great, excellent amazing entrance here and i really do love his character even though i hate him so severely yeah and there's a great little trio moment between the three of them when she introduces ted to rupert and there's just this really there's this really great tension between all of them because you know rupert is constantly running this con on everybody he's there trying to be this likable personality rebecca clearly knows that's bullshit but <laughs> ted also does though he he's not falling for any of this stuff he's still just right there with it and it's amazing to see that um and it especially comes up later when you know uh rupert's offering to call robbie williams and like oh you know i can get him over here and everything and i love it when ted calls him out and he's like just says to him he's like well you know like it seems like if you could call him to get him over here you could have called him to uh tell him not to come and mm-hmm. rupert looks at him and he's just like oh i guess that would have made me an uh, unbelievable asshole and i love this because ted literally he doesn't say yes he just gives him this look of like well your words dude and it, and it kind of catches rupert off guard a little bit it catches him off guard and he just has to walk away like laughing trying to shrug it off it's just like Ted, Ted does not fall for this. And it's confirmed by the, you know, by what happens uh, at the end with, with his last conversation with Rebecca here. But um, also part of this, though, is that we finally do get some cohesion between Roy and Jamie. We do finally get some understanding where they have a, I guess, what can amount to a tough guy soccer player heart to heart um, at the bar um, where Roy basically um, tells him, you know, like, I was a lot like you and I had someone who was like me giving me a hard time. Um, but we literally aired it all out and we ended up being a successful team. So we have to do the same thing. Um, I don't know about you, but it, 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 again, it keeps planting those little seeds that as mean as Jamie is, there's these little bits of likability that make us want to believe he can be good. So what did you think of that um, uh, aspect of this party? What I love about it is that it paints that uh, Jamie might not be being mean in his own head it's a maturity issue and he's being thrust into the spotlight as a young kid and he's gotten all this prestige and he's now he is the poster on kids walls and so roy is kind of trying to impart that old man wisdom that hey there are going to be people that are going to rely on you on this team and in the world and you can't be like this and so of course we see the the downfall of that uh, all the way to lust con- conquers all right yeah um, but you you do get to s- still see this right now where Roy is trying to impart him some wisdom and it's totally maturity. It's not even so much uh, the convictions that Jamie has or that he's just a mean spirited person. It absolutely comes down to world and life experiences that he does not yet have. And he needs to do some growing up Roy acknowledging that in this moment and then trying to move forward 
albeit kind of unsuccessfully in at least the first season. <laughs> well, yeah, and also a little unsuccessfully in the moment here, too, because Roy then gets thrust into this uh, conflict with Jamie and Keely because Jamie has brought a second date to try to bid up himself and get Keely and this woman bidding against him without Keely knowing. And she tries to do the same thing by bidding on Roy. And I do find this interesting because Brett's uh, acting here is actually very good because this is kind of the first time where we see, you know, I think a little bit of a hint of Roy liking Keeley um, in this moment, because it seems like when he sees what she's doing, that she's not really bidding on him, that she's just trying to make Jamie jealous. You know, there does seem to be an amount of hurt um, on his face that he sees there um, that, that kind of cuts deep there. And then, of course, when he calls her out on it, and I think that uh, Keeley, to her credit, you know, she's not expecting that. And she, you know, kind of sees his point. And I love and I don't know if it's a Tedism. If it is, I'm very sorry for you, Craig. But I love that she looks at him and says, re- echoing Rebecca's uh, conversation she had in the bathroom, you know, accountability matters. And that's what makes her break up with Jamie and the fact that, like, she can see that Jamie is just so immature and you know, she is 30 and he's 23 as she tells Rebecca and like, you can't be playing these games anymore. Um, so I did like that, but um, also though the ultimate manipulative maneuver of Rupert uh, giving that 1 million pound check at the end of the night, I literally wrote down in my notes. I'm like, God, his manipulation is like a superpower. Like it's just, it's amazing. And it's uh, the fact that um, Rebecca calls it out and gets emotional with Ted later saying, you know, like no matter what he does, they love, love him and you know she just can't deal with it and she breaks down and it gives us that um, payoff of those likability suspicions we have of Rebecca at the start of the season so what do you think of that what do you think of the last interactions of this episode um, before we uh, tell everyone about Cam Cole and go and get to going to get his music well I will say that you did say the other woman at the auction and you know that that is Bex so that this is, is Bex. the first introduction of her a uh, wonderful character that we're going to come back to apparently makes really ugly babies and we'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out later on but uh, it's just so great to see these interactions and to see again the the manipulation and the mind games that even Jamie is trying to do here mm. albeit unsuccessfully so uh, you get Rupert who is like master level and then if you are comparing this some kind of RPG, you know, the Jamie's just starting off. He's on like level two here. Right. And he's just, he doesn't have the XP to really get this going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just, it's great to see this uh, gala come to uh, a bit of fruition here and to see like the, the auction going on. I love the older lady in the audience. She's yeah. incredible. She does great, <laughs> great comedic timing. And then, like you said, Rupert coming in and trying to, he knows he's going to one up her and he's, people are going to remember and talk about him yep. at Rebecca's gala, which is again, le- easily, easily level one, 100. Uh, he's got all the XP as far as manipulation is concerned. And uh, so that's why, because the goal, he mentions it specifically when he starts the auction, he says last year, she raised 800,000. And now I know she wants to raise more than that, knowing that he has a check in his pocket to outraise that initially. And so he's going to be the story coming out of the gala yeah. and not uh, Rebecca. And that just sucks. I mean, <laughs> great. This guy great just writing. sucks. <laughs> great writing, yeah. but it just sucks. Uh, 
and then yes, now we get uh, Cam Cole as well. Yeah, the, and and again, what I love about that is that Ted does kind of steal Rupert's thunder a little bit there, doesn't he? Because nobody's expecting this guy, this one man band, to be just a freaking rock concert there. And I gotta call it like Cam Cole. He is a real artist. Everyone, he's got a Facebook page. He's been on some other podcasts. Like, go and find this guy because his music is incredible. Um, but I do like that was the moment in this episode where I was just like, man, I'm having fun with this. And of course, we get to see Coach Beard's dancing, um, even though he blows it with Jane at first, um, which of course we know he does not. Um, but this is just great. And I love that we get find this final moment here of Ted and Rebecca where he looks at her and tells her that he, he gets it. Like, you know, I don't want to do the whole line because it is one of my tedisms, but, um, you know, but like he basically says, just like, I, I see what he is too. And, you know, you're not alone in knowing what he is. Um, and then of course he has to walk drunken beard home, which is of course great there. So Ted, or no, Ted, Craig, um, any final Thank you thoughts? Again. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. Uh, and, any no, final I, thoughts? I love, uh, I love the ending of this episode. I love the connection that you feel with Ted and Rebecca. I love Cam Cole. Uh, his music's great it's on spotify as well and mm -hmm. i did see that uh he's also someone that uh actually is someone that was more of like a street performer in london so it's very cool to highlight someone like that yeah but just excellent music and i mean again that that's something that they could have spotlighted any number of artists and they chose to do that for a specific reason because they are smart when they come up with this show yep <laughs> and uh it, this episode proves that you also see that you know, that last ride with, uh, oh, with yeah, Keely yeah, and yeah. with Rebecca and the, it's just, it's just great to see their friendship really start to form in a, a solid way because the payoff for that is of course, in a couple of episodes, when we get to see Rebecca make Rebecca great again, and we get to see, um, both of them, both of her friends, new friend and old try to come together and really reform Rebecca Welton and uh, allow her to be herself to come out of this gloom from Rupert. And Keely is right there as the evil mastermind himself is trying to manipulate her and saves her from that night. So I absolutely love the chemistry and the relationship we have forming here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is just such a heartwarming way to end the episode. Going from Rebecca's terrible, like, you know, uh, depression, like all the way back up to like she has a true friend and a couple of true friends that she can trust, um, which is speaking of a couple of true friends I can trust. One of them is right here. Jeremy Geckner. Hey. The other one, we got to call. We got to bring him out of the back. Where uh, you at? Hey, Larry, Larry Smith. Are you back there? Tedism. Where each week we share biscuits truth. That's right, everyone. The favorite part of the episode, Tenism's time, folks. Biscuits of truth. Thank you, Larry Smith, as always. Craig, do you want to start us off here? What's a, what's our first Tenism of the week? Okay. Uh, there, this one has some sneaky ones, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, Ted has a great one here when he's ordering at the bar, and he says, can I get something stronger like a Jack on the Rocks or something? <laughs> a, a, a double and a single um, in one. A triple. Yeah, a I triple. Love that. I love that line. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. What's your first one? Yeah, so um, I, it really just got me off guard, but it's like what he says uh, when he's talking about Nathan being in West Side Story, and he says, we have peeled yet another layer of the juicy Nathan onion. <laughs> it's just, just <laughs> such a weird phrase and everything. But also right after that, though, when he's yelling up at Rebecca, he says, Nathan Great is going to be my date. And for obvious reasons, we'd love to be at table eight. 
And Rebecca's like, no, that's not happening. Not and then she ends up moving the seating chart for him anyway. Yeah. So uh, Jeremy, you didn't use coach beard. I, I thought for sure the very first thing you would say would have to be your coach beard. So I'll say it. You finish it for me. Coach, tell my boys, what's the first rule of my fight club? No fight club. No fight club. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, just the way Brendan Hunt yeah. does everything. Every just the time, way he does man. everything. Every single uh, time. <laughs> oh, it's just so great. You got any more? Um, I love the uh, the whole when they're at the bar together and Jamie and Roy are talking about it. And Jamie says, you and that Doug bloke, you ever become friends? And Roy said, fuck, no, I hope he's dead. <laughs> yeah. And then Jamie clinks it with Roy and he says to you. To dying. You dying. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fantastic. So much. Um, and then I've got one more if that's OK. Yeah. Oh yeah. And this is when Ted meets Rupert for the first time. And he says, love of the sports team is a lifetime obsession, kind of like your best friend's older sister, right? Yep. Hey, do me a favor. If you're ever in Kansas city, you come across a fella named Tom Deneen. Don't tell him I said that. I love that because, <laughs> and I haven't done the research. Uh, clearly I haven't done the research, but don't you think that that's probably like one of Jason's friends or something? I, like that? I just I it, think it, it probably like, is. Yeah. I, it just, uh, it just great. So, I mean, it would make sense. Uh, there's a few more, uh, when it comes to locker rooms, I want them like my mother's bathing suits. I only want them in one piece, <laughs> which is very, very true. Um, and you did say the line about the drinks. Though. He's like, All right. Well, here's an idea that's either going to hurt or help a whole lot. Who needs a drink? <laughs> Which is about as good as you can get when it comes to alcohol, people. Um, uh, but then there is uh, the last one there, which um, I think is kind of like the whole point of the episode here, though, is like, you know, you may think that you're the only one that can see who he really is, but you're not. And I love that because it lays the entire foundation for Ted and Rebecca moving forward. It's just like, Ted gets it. And of course, when we get to that dark game, man, Ooh, buddy, <laughs> Ooh, buddy, I uh, can't wait for it. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited uh, for next week. And yeah, that this is, is your guys' episode, man. Here's the deal. That episode, uh, this was the episode that solidified for me my absolute love and obsession with Ted Lasso. I am so excited to be hosting tan lines next week there's a reason why i went with the odd number episodes this season because <laughs> i knew i wanted episode five uh we're gonna bring back a, a special guest from last season's recaps uh to break it down with us as well so we're excited for that and it, it's just great it's great to uh talk to all of you we're so grateful yeah. for you for following us on twitter pbb frn and then i i know that maybe not all of you hang around till the end but you you ones that do it's because you love us and uh, we love you for it. So I do have a question for you. Do you want us to establish a Facebook page uh, or oh, not a page, yeah, yeah. actually a Facebook group, group so we can yeah. chat Lasso more frequently? I know there's a lot of cool uh, Ted Lasso Facebook groups out there. We're in one called Ted Lasso Talks. Um, but you do you want us to do that for the show? And please let me know. Go ahead and send an email to frontrowlasso at gmail.com. Let me know, yay or nay, you would like us to establish some kind of presence on Facebook in addition to our Twitter logins as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I got. Yeah, well, and I, I before we go here, people, I had one more Tedism that I did not get to that I want to do to Ooh, leave you with sneaky here. sneaky Tedism. Because I think it was a great one, um, because actually Ted calls out that he makes it up on the spot here when he's talking to Roy, but he says, you know, you think that, you always hear the saying, uh, youth, is, uh, youth is wasted on the young or something like that, but he says, I always say, don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. 
And I think that that is a great, great line there. And it's a, again, as he's walking away from Toby, he's just like, I just made that one up. Feel good about it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel pretty good about it. I feel, about pretty, good it. I feel about pretty good it. about this episode. I feel pretty good about your energy level, Jeremy. Yes, I feel like I'm up now. Now I can go get my kid and just and, and play and, and stuff like that. So I think I think I'm good now. The Ted Lasso Absolutely. is That's great. Uh, your your children are going to be thanking uh, Mr. Craig over here. There you go. So <laughs> the fact that you're awake. But it's been a treat getting to talk to you this week, buddy. I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for hand lines and uh, we'll see y'all then it's gonna be fun so for peanut butter and biscuits the front row network and npr illinois i'm jeremy geckner i'm craig mcfarland and as always be a goldfish thank you for listening to this episode of the front row network a proud community voices member of national public radio illinois for more from the front row network including our articles or our other dozens of shows visit the frontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash front row network you can also find us on social media by searching for the front row network on facebook youtube and instagram and on twitter at front row reviews with a z